the Bytes and Bytes podcast, where we explore the fascinating world where cybersecurity and technology intersect with food and agriculture. I'm your host, Kristen Demaranville, and today we're embarking on an insightful journey with Nelson Estrada from Good Farm. We'll be discussing how AI and technology are revolutionizing agriculture, the critical role of community in IT, and how personal stories of food shape our perspectives in life. I really do hope you enjoy the episode. Well, thanks for being here, Nelson. Really appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you. I really appreciate the invitation and I'm happy to be here. I have been a, a fan of your podcast before it began. So I know you for a, for a little time and I worked with you in the past and I had a lot of fun. So when you invited me, I, I was more than happy to join the project. I think you and I laughed a lot on that last podcast we were on together. We became comrades in arms, if you will, because of it. <laughs> I'm just going to jump right in. What is your favorite food and your favorite food memory? They do not have to be the same thing. Okay, I think my favorite food is uh, pizza. And I like cooking, so I like doing pizza. Even when I was on diet, I was making keto or low-carb uh, pizza, and it was it was good. So I really I really a, enjoy that. Do you have a favorite topping for your pizza? Yes, everything. At least everything? Yeah. Are you a pineapple on pizza kind of guy too? Well, no, maybe that's too crazy. No, I <sighs> said too much. No, I'm, I'm more like a, a, I like meat and, and mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I usually put uh, but usually I do four cheese and then yep. I, I add a topping, maybe maybe sausage or maybe chorizo to make mm-hmm. it a little more more Mexican. A little more spicy. Little, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> that actually sounds really good. Thank you. <laughs> and what about your favorite food memory? I think I have, uh, not especially for one dish, but I have fine memories about my childhood, mm-hmm. about lunchtime, because in Mexico, it's like the biggest food. It's like when everybody is together, everybody is in the house. And I have a lot of memories with that. I mean, in Mexico, it's that important that you have uh, the father, the mother, the humongous bottle of coke in the middle because that's mm-hmm. part of, the, of your family we, we like sweet and in mexico is this is real it's like a member of your family if that member is not present we get a little sad that the lunch is not the same but it's got, wow. it's got, it's got, it's got it has a toll because that's the reason we are always in the top three people with diabetes the countries with most issue or uh, health problem with the uh, overweight or diabetes and unfortunately for that because we are very into sweet coca-cola is part of the culture in there it's very very important i was in mexico city a year ago in my first time there. Loved it. Totally would love to go back. And I did notice there was a lot of Coke everywhere, like Coca-Cola. I was really always startled by it because I'm not a soda drinker, so I, I didn't really have it. So I had my options of water or <laughs> Coca-Cola and I was like, water? And everybody looked at me funny. And you're right, especially during mealtime, like unless it was dinner and we were having wine. However, though, the coffee is amazing. I was <laughs> I loved the coffee. Um, and you're right about the sweets. I remember I was in a food market tour. They put like syrup on the rims of glasses and it's like a sweet syrup and then they put like more sweet on top of it like a powder or a sour and I mean they're every color every flavor and I remember thinking I'm I can't eat all this it's too sweet like I I'm Scandinavian like I don't eat all this and it was just really really quite amazing that's that's crazy I never even thought about that I never made the connection yes it's part of the culture we like sweets and we we some people say that we eat cake the whole day but this is called different it's called pan dulce. It's like mm-hmm. a little, you call it maybe muffin, but it's a little different. And 
you can find those on every store in there and you can eat it for breakfast, lunch or, or dinner, even with windmills. Uh, oh. That's part of the culture too. Uh, a soda, I won't say Coke because this looks like a commercial. Your <laughs> kind of soda and, and one of these uh, pieces of bread, the pan dulce. And that's a, that's a meal for some people. Well, with all the sugar, I think it probably would be a meal, right? You basically, <laughs> you know, have some sugar with your food. <laughs> I hope people aren't sprinkling more sugar on top of it or anything like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's that's so fabulous. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really love these questions from the guests and they really just get my mind thinking about all the places that I've been and all the lovely things because food is such a binder culturally. It's the first thing I go towards when I travel to a new place. I do a, a street tour to get myself used to like the textures of the food or the type of food because especially in countries that I have, haven't experienced on the U.S. side, um, it's super important to understand the cultures I now of it, whether it is that texture or when do you eat certain things and how do you proceed. I'm very grateful I did that when I went to China, for example. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have survived the food. That tour really helped. <laughs> Thankfully, snake was out of season, so I didn't have to experience that. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm sure it's delicious. I just don't want it. <laughs> um, but um, again, I'm, I'm really grateful for that kind of experience. So I'm glad to hear that you had such a great upbringing and, you know, always had your guests at the table, which is a Coca-Cola bottle. And uh, yeah. Family member, important family member. <laughs> Anyways, Nelson, can you share a little bit about your journey and how you started down the path of working in agriculture and food? And also, I just realized that you haven't introduced yourself, so you better introduce yourself too. You are right. Where are my manners? We, you, we, we went directly to the cold as usual. Sorry. I mean, it's important. We're talking about food. We have to get to the important stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, let me introduce myself. Very pleased to be here. My name is Nelson Estrada. I work for Goods Farms. I have been the director of IT for five years. I began in IT very young. I, I was a PC integrator. Uh, I began building computers from scratch. First, just for fun. Then I saw there was a business in there. I started building computers for other people. Then I, I joined the labor um, sector for that. And I went to school to study electronics. And there I met the computer. The first time I entered to a laboratory and I started working with some very basic programming, I fell in love with the career. From there, I took some certifications like Cisco and everything that was available in there. I started growing and, and working on more companies. I have worked for the IBM, Walmart, the Mexican government, and I moved to agriculture uh, 11 years ago. I was working precisely for the Mexican government in one of the projects, and I saw this opportunity to join uh, so, uh, some growers where, where I live. Uh, I made the interview and they really like it. I, I was able to speak both Spanish and, Spanish and English. I knew about the electronics so I could fix the machines that are in the field. And we started discussing and from there I, I became the manager of the place in there. And the company liked my job and then asked me to move to the U.S. So I moved uh, to the U.S. Um, maybe seven years ago and started working with this company. I have been with them 12 years and it has been a, a great journey. Then I jumped to uh, cybersecurity. First because of need, because we don't have a, a big team of people and you need to learn a lot when you grow, you work for farmers. But uh, again, um, I saw this was a, a great source of learning and I really enjoyed cybersecurity. And again, I started doing my certifications and working here and there. I have been invited to do some podcasts, to do some uh, talks and I'm really enjoying it. And I really appreciate the opportunity because I noticed there are not much people that are uh, on the IT sector working with farmers that do cybersecurity. So I'm glad to be here and uh, inviting 
people, please, I mean, look at us. I mean, we are the food sector. We need experts. Please, I mean, come here. Um, we don't have the big budgets. We don't have the big salaries. But if you love what you do and you love food, maybe you have an opportunity in here and it would be great if, if you can put your sight in us and give us a voice. Yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. I as you're, as you're talking, I was thinking about how I think how that's how most people got into IT as well. Back in the day, I'll say back in the day, because now like you can go to college for it. And that's still strange um, still to this day. But I started the same way, building PCs and kind of got used to that and learned how to do more of the admin tasks before I actually got to the tech tasks. So I could deal with the people that were angry and upset about their technology <laughs> breaking as well as fix it, uh, especially on the fly. So that's a great way to step into the career. And then moving into the fact that you enjoy doing, you know, the electrical mechanical type work. And that's that's great because that fits in perfectly with what you do right now, because you can't exactly call somebody up when you're standing in the middle of a field trying to deal with something, right? You know, uh, <laughs> you have to be able to sort of troubleshoot on your own or at least get to the point where you could have an intelligent conversation about troubleshooting when you get back into service in terms of like cell phone service is what I mean. And you're right. We have we have a lot of IT and cybersecurity that works around food and agriculture, but not really in it. And this is why, as you know, Nelson, we've talked about this so many times. This is why this podcast was born. This is why my company was born, because we really need to start focusing on this critical infrastructure and that journey of how do we keep everything safe, not only from a technology standpoint, but on a, a food safety perspective. And this is this is great. I, I love this. And you have some great stories about working at your company. Do you want to share a few about the, the learning how to do IT with farming equipment and, and working with farmers and experiencing that, watching people grow things and harvest them? Yes, of course. I mean, it has its learning curve and, and it's difficult because you have low budget. Usually mm-hmm. you have people that is not very tech savvy and you, le- you need to teach them. You need to work with them like from the very basics. I have people that are very good users. They are tech savvy, but I mean, I think maybe 90%. They barely know how to use a computer. They just lo- learn what um, what you tell them and, and that's it. Um, some people, they say, um, hey, um, we don't have internet in the office. Everything went down, uh, but I need to accomplish this. Please connect to my machine and, and fix it. And I said, oh, wait, you said you don't have internet. How, how I, I cannot say that. Uh, I say I use other words, of course. Uh, I try to explain, but I mean, uh, but that's the <laughs> difficult we have. Uh, okay, sorry, I cannot help you right now. First, we need to fix this. Let me call the internet service provider and stuff like that. But yes, I mean, things are changing. I mean, farmers are using more and more technology because they see the benefit. We were discussing the other day about robotics. I mean, this is new and it's more present every day. More companies are testing them and it's a great tool. And, and I want to make a point in there like, yes, it's a tool. Some people is very afraid of this is going to take my job. Is the scare. We are humans. We have this kind of scare uh, all the time. But uh, right now, I mean, it's a tool and it comes to fulfill an, a need. We lack of enough people for working on the farms right now. We need to bring people from other countries. Uh, this is real. We offer a visa. Okay, come work with us for six, eight months. We offer housing. We offer health um, services. We offer everything, this kind of money from other countries because here in the U.S. we don't have enough people to work. So robots come very handy in there. So this is part of fulfilling a need. It's not like we want to get rid of the workforce. No, I mean, this is a tool because if you have some robots, uh, you have all the people that was working on the field to do other things. They need to adapt it. They need to learn. Right now, they are still very, very expensive. They are very expensive machines. So maybe in the future, they will go uh, a time where uh, they will replace us. I mean, I say cost because I, they are 
not saying oh, I'm doing quotes right now uh, but it, this just means we just need to move to another stuff the same people that were working in the field maybe they will be servicing the robot or will be doing some more administration tasks than on the field but yes yeah. I mean it has been quite, quite a challenge and I have a, a few stories as you said one was about the robots how expensive they are that we need to take care of them and how we still are learning the first time the robot came I mean it was like uh, the POTUS or the president was on the field please step in there please don't look here I mean uh, here comes the robot don't do anything don't sneeze uh, don't, <laughs> don't look at wrong um, right now I mean they are more autonomous we learn uh, we have our sensors so it, it's safer but yes it was it was quite a challenge it was now we are laughing but at the beginning we are all scared the mm-hmm. users and the operators and everything you know I was reading an article and I think I was having a conversation with somebody earlier that we we're talking about how AI is very prevalent in the industry now more so than I think most people realize but it's been there for a while we just like you said it's a tool we've especially in the food industry it's been used as automation as part of the deal like it's part of the process however somebody was talking about how AI is probably going to really start helping agriculture more especially when it comes to marginalized groups and helping those small farmers or those mid-sized farmers actually be able to complete their tasks like you said without a, a labor force and be able to do it in a more efficient manner and for with cost savings and somebody was saying oh that means our food's going to be more expensive and I thought to myself if it's done in a safe way that's safely handled and also doesn't hurt people both on a, a labor front and a food front ingestion front like I think that's a brilliant thing I think it's great that we're doing robots and AI and all this really amazing tech I just really wish that when people talked about it as well they kind of talk about how safe it also is and how it's really really good and you don't have to be afraid of it because we've we started creating this problem Nelson I know you and I have discussed this too where AI has become like the new Jaws right the movie Jaws <laughs> made everybody afraid of sharks and we really shouldn't be afraid of sharks generally speaking they're really not going to bother us we're walking into their house you know if you mess with something then yeah it's going to be a problem same with the bear in the woods but AI isn't a shark it isn't a bear it's human created human controlled it's not going to be sentient and slap you not yet at least not for a very long time that ever did happen. It would be way past our lifetimes. And I just think it's ridiculous that we've started romanticizing AI to the point where it's just silly now. It's sort of silly to me. And then you have people that are like, I'm scared of it. Well, in the the food industry, you can't be because we need it to have safe production for employees. And on top of that, it does keep the food safer because we're not touching it. 99.9% of problems in the food industry and tech and security and all things otherwise are caused by humans. So this is just one way to help mitigate that. Ultimately, we're managing the risk with technology. And I think it's great that, you know, you're such an advocate for that and trying to move forward because otherwise, we, if we don't have the right advocates for, especially in this industry, it's just going to turn into, like I said, a Jaws scare situation and <laughs> sharks are evil. <laughs> yes, and this is misinformation and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's new technology, but this is not that new as people think because we have been using some kind of AI uh, from, from long years. Uh, mm-hmm. Agriculture is a lot of data. Uh, then you need to ingest a lot of numbers to create your statistics. And AI comes very handy in here because it's great to correlate all this data and give you a result. Right now, we are using this data to create prediction, prediction of the of the of all the food we will have during a season or the prediction of the diseases we expect to have. So this is very handy and it's needed, as you said. Okay, it's going to be more expensive. Mm, well, 
someone has to pay. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we need to find new ways to do it. But look at that this way because we are bringing a solution. If we can prepare to having all these diseases for this season, you can prepare and then you don't impact the price. There are ways to do it, safe ways to do it. We're going to take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying the conversation. If you find value in this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Your support is invaluable in spreading these important discussions. Thank you so much. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to the show for more insightful content. Stay with us as we continue to explore how personal experiences and community impacts are as important as technological advancements in shaping the future of farming. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. back to the AI tool. Yes, it's a tool. It's needed. It's a great benefit. And it's not that bad as many people think. As you said, some people blame Hollywood because of <laughs> the scary thing about the jobs and other movies. You know how I call my users about that? Because they are afraid of AI. And they when they say AI, they think it's all ChatGPT, generative mm -hmm. AI. And, and I tell them, okay, go to ChatGPT because they have it on the phone. They have an app right now and everybody's using it as the new Google or as the new Wikipedia. I ask them, go to ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT give me a random number and it will give you a random number it's not even a crazy one maybe 743 okay here is the number and ask him how you came to that number and it will answer you because I don't have access to real randomness I created a pseudo number that is based on this I don't have access to real randomness and what it means that this is still the basis of computers computers cannot do anything by themselves mm -hmm. it cannot even create a real random number it created a a pseudo-random number, maybe in the future with quantum computer, if it has some access to atmospheric pattern, that's real randomness, maybe we should worry because that will create some, some chaos. It, it will do different things. But right now, this is a tool, a, a tool created for people to act like a human, answer you like a human. But it's the same. You can see it as Google with asteroids or Wikipedia 3.0 because it has all the information already in there. And it, you present it in a very a very nice way, like, like you are discussing with another person. That's the reason it's a chat. But yes, I can't... Okay, if it cannot create this pseudo number, it cannot create crazy ideas. It, it won't kill you. It's not the new Skynet, so be calm for now. <laughs> yeah, I completely understand that. And I, I am so grateful, though, that the food industry is adapting and they're okay with it, you know? And we've talked about this, too, that digital transformation and digitization in general with the food industry is something that's just really a natural fit. It goes really easily. The problem is as they advance and upgrade, as you know, we need people to support it like yourself, Nelson, like me. And that becomes the daunting task because as you, you've said to me before, it's a struggle to have that knowledge set in this industry as well as speak the additional languages that are required, have the right set of skills. Sometimes you need to have an engineering kind of background, electrician background at times. Sometimes you have to understand parts of the business that you wouldn't necessarily do otherwise, such as sanitation or even quality. So I think it takes a really special person to work in this industry. And I'm, I'm glad you're here, Nelson, for sure, because you you obviously are very passionate about it. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy talking with you is because I learn something new every time we discuss any of this. So I appreciate it. I wanted to know if you had uh, any advice for any of the cybersecurity professionals that are listening or the IT people in general, or even just the, the regular listeners, which I know there are quite a few here, for how do they get involved in this industry? 
learning about the food industry and agriculture specifically. Yes, um, and I want to thank you personally for the invitation for being an advocate of IT and, and food because they are usually apart and mm-hmm. you, are, you are the gap right now. This project is great. I, I see you are inviting some people from different uh, industries, uh, cybersecurity, IT, the food industry, administration of people, HR. So this is very good and thank you for that. And I really enjoy working with you and I, I would like to, to support you for this and new projects. I will say to the people that are listening that you can begin in IT and it's easier than ever right now. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's very common to have a certification and we have certifications that begin from scratch, even if you haven't been in front of a computer before. And they, they are very broad and they can take you by hand. You can take this on the comfort of your home. You can assist to classes. You can just watch YouTube. If you want to do it for free, you can do it. You can learn the basics. But what is very important in here is having hands-on experience. And that's the, t- the difficult part, that's the tricky part. So you need to complement that because it's great having the basics, but you need the hands-on experience for that. There are options. Uh, I see some people struggling having a job uh, right now on IT and cybersecurity. Well, there are options when you can offer your services for free. Sometimes it's not an option for you because you need the income. But if you have a, right now you have a job and you want to jump to IT, you want to, to jump to the food sector industry, you can do your services uh, as a volunteer and that will give you a lot of experience. There are schools, there are some companies that will be more than happy to having you two hours a day or maybe three hours a day. And that will give you the, the foundation for, for all what you have learned because yes, it's great learning from YouTube. It's great learning from these certifications, but if you don't have the, the hands-on experience, you are not complete. I mean, you, you cannot even apply for a job because uh, that's another thing we are seeing. Okay, I want, I, I have this entry-level position. This is for this IT position, but I need three years of experience or four. And when they see, oh, okay, I don't have experience or I just had experience with the simulators, uh, it's, it's, it's not that. Actually, um, I learned this from, from my wife uh, because my wife, uh, she told me recently that uh, she wanted to learn how to drive because her family never had a car, so she never learned. And and she said, I mean, I must learn to drive. I mean, it's very difficult in this country not having your, your own car, so please uh, teach me how to drive. And I said, I'm sorry, honey, but I'm I'm very busy right now and traveling. Go to YouTube and watch some videos. <laughs> and she said, uh, yes, yes, honey, I did. And they are all the same. For driving, you do like this and do like that and like this. And it's true. She, she, she had a point. You cannot learn how to drive from YouTube. You, you, you could learn the basics, but you will never pass an exam, the practice exam, if you have never been on a car. Even if you have the most powerful simulator that vibrates and the, it has the, the wheel and the, the pedals. If you are putting on the, I don't know, on the freeway in Los Angeles at the peak time, you will be destroyed. You cannot do that. That's the reason you learn hands-on experience. Wow, that is the best way I've ever heard someone describe having hands-on experience. You can't <laughs> learn how to drive from YouTube. I feel like that is quotable. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And you're so right, though. And she's so right. You actually have to go out and have the practical experience behind the wheel. You also, you need it because you're going to have to pass the exam at some point. And not just the written, but the actual practical exam. You're so right, though. And what a great advice because people forget that IT and cybersecurity skills are actually 
transferable from a volunteer standpoint. I mean, you can volunteer with any of children's organizations, teaching them. They're probably going to teach you, but you could try to teach them. And you can volunteer for at nursing homes. They still need to know how to be on the internet safely. You could do different events with the agricultural space. You could go, you know, help pick. You can help harvest time. There are opportunities, especially for cybersecurity, to help volunteer for cyber games. I just recently did that this year and it was awesome. It was my favorite cyber event I've ever been to. was watching these, you know, young adults just majorly dominate teamwork-wise and these different tasks and different obstacles that they had to get through uh, for cybersecurity cracking and various hacks. It was amazing. So I think that people forget that there's such a benefit or multiple benefits really to volunteering your time and your knowledge sets. That's such a great advice. That is such great advice. I'm glad that uh, she did not learn how to drive from YouTube. I feel like that's (laughs) also similar. Oh my goodness. So let's look, let's look, look, look what you made me do. I'm sharing personal stuff. That's I, um, I, I am with you. I do have that effect on people I've heard. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving forward, though, I want to continue kind of down this this road of uh, a futuristic view. So what do you see envisioning for the future of cybersecurity and IT within the food industry? And let's just start there. And then the second half of this question will be um, emerging trends and technology. You think you're going to come into the into fruition over the next let's say three to five years. Yeah, I mean, the future for farmers, I mean, they need to change their mindset because they can invest in some stuff they can see. They can invest in tractors. They can invest on fertilizer. They can invest maybe right now in antivirus because they have seen the benefits. But the extra layers, having a XDR or having an MDR service, that's a, can, that is very difficult for them. So they need to change that mindset. Thankfully, uh, big events like the MGM that recently happened opened the eyes for most people and everyone is changing. Everybody is more worried about their their security. I want to be positive. I, I see a lot of change because those events help the people to conscientize like it can happen to you. It can happen to anyone. These people with this great budget for cybersecurity, for IT people that is trained, they got hat and they use social engineer. I mean, humans are still the weakest link and this is uh, helping the companies to say, okay, we need to invest not only on tools, we need to invest in people. We need to train the users. And I have seen slowly this is changing and I see more adoption of these uh, MDR services. Right now, the EDR part, the endpoint detection and response is, is the very basic. But we need to go above because if there is no one on the other side watching all the alerts, watching what's happening, it's not that great. It's like having a CCTV at your home. Yes, you have a lot of cameras, uh, 4K cameras and everything. But if there is no there is no one on the other side watching the cameras, what's happening? That's not a good uh, that's not a good solution. This is same with EDR. So people is moving slowly to MDR, XDR, and they are seeing the benefit. And this is this is great because uh, everyone. Will be more protected. Um, I see more adoption to finally multi-factor authentication. In the beginning, it was very difficult. Just people say, oh, I just have uh, my strong password because it has a number at the end. Or maybe I have the question mark at the end and nobody thinks about that. Or Don't they go crazy. the capital letter too, Nelson. Yeah, ooh, the capital yeah, letter. <laughs> I have two capital letters. I mean, nobody will answer this. <sighs> nobody will guess it. So... I see more adoption about using password managers and adopting multi-factor authentication. Some people still rely a lot of SMS. I mean, it's not the best, but it's way better than not having multi-factor authentication. Companies are pushing it, banks, uh, government, everybody is pushing. So this is becoming a more, a more secure environment. I know they are hackable. 
but I mean, hackers sometimes, I mean, hacking the account that has no MFA at this one, I mean, I will, they will prefer hacking the other because it's easier. Mm -hmm. So I guess, thankfully, I see slowly more adoption of these technologies, XDR, MDR, and other layers like like Mindcast or filtering the, the email. Uh, email is always the attack vector preferred by, by hackers. So this is changing. Thankfully, this is changing. Yeah, and I think it's because the, the public's kind of becoming more aware of it. Also, you know, obviously the generations that have grown up with the internet are becoming adults now. And they're the ones that understand they have to keep their data safe. They're very big on privacy, things like that. And you're right. Even if they can't do two-factor, just the SMS itself is better than nothing. And you're right, the hackers aren't necessarily going to bother with them. But I would like to say that the food industry in general is low-hanging fruit now. I mean, it's very easy for them to, to infiltrate because it hasn't caught up with the rest of the other industries like finance or healthcare or some of the other critical infrastructures like oil and gas and automotive. Um, I'm not saying it's completely broken, but I'm saying that it's slow to adopt in that regard. Security is always an afterthought in some ways. IT sometimes gets brought to the table last as well, and they've already done the upgrade and you're like, uh, wait, what? What am I working on now? What is this? Um, and it's it's frustrating. And the whole the training aspect is such a an interesting thing because it's not just the end user that needs the training. It's it's us, you know, as professionals. I'm I'm a big advocate for role specific, sector specific training. How can you protect something if you don't understand it? How can the SOC determine if something's an incident if they don't understand the industry that they're serving? Do they even know their company is a food production company? Do they even know it's uh, it has farms? Do they know it's what they do? And I think if you stay so siloed in your own role, I'm only cybersecurity. This is only what I do, and you forget that you're working for an organization that makes things that people ingest. It becomes a different conversation when you start to realize that oh, I impact this. I actually make a difference with food for the world and the food supply chain as a whole. And it starts to actually draw this beautiful uh, connection with those around us. I, I really feel very privileged to work in this space. I don't think there's anything else like it, truthfully, unless you're probably in civil service or something to that effect because you're saving lives as well. I come from a long line of firefighters, Nelson, so it's <laughs> probably just in my blood and I can't get it out. <laughs> I do think that that training part is going to be super important moving forward. So how can you train the end users if you don't know either? You know, one of those kind of moments. And everything interacts with everything. You know, you're coming in from just, uh, I don't know, slaughtering a pig and then you want to walk through a whole entire building. You're going to want to clean off first, right? <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. Or if you're going to, you know, not wash your hands, that's also a big problem. Like we all know how that goes. Um, I think there's these little factors in there. And I give a lot of credit to the people who do, you know, food protection and work on quality and sanitation because these they're right on the front lines. They're really going through it. And technology is going to be a tool in their arsenal to keep people safe. And and for you, Nelson, in your company, you're also a shield and a sword for that as well. You know, you're not only safeguarding and protecting the tech, but you're also encouraging to make sure that people are armed so they can attack when something happens as well. So it's that whole people are your best asset or your worst. I've now started saying quite often that everyone who steps into a food company or food organization is a risk. I do not care what your role is. You are a risk. You are carrying a lot of risk when you step in. And if you don't acknowledge that or you are, I uh, think you're above it, you're the bigger risk. You are the 100% person I wouldn't want anywhere near my facility. 
Because again, it's not comical when something happens. It's not funny because it's going to affect people on like a very personal level, whether it's health or a job or safety, any of that goes because you know this as well as I do, Nelson, that if something happens, let's say like a cyber tech hit a company and we'll say it's an agricultural company, they, they get shut down. They can't move. Their ERP's dead. They can't get trucks in or out. They can't pay people because the system was hit there too. So what do they do? What's the first thing they do? They send people home. They send the hourly workers home. Those people are not making any money. So now you have angry people on top of a bad situation. So insider threat will increase or it will stay in their mindset even when the company bounced back and they'll be disgruntled for a while because maybe they didn't get their bonus because they couldn't pay the bonus because they had to pay a ransom. I think it's one of those unique industries that is so emotionally driven for so many different reasons that it makes people kind of cringy a little bit to step into it. And I don't want to, I don't want people to not want to be here with us because it's really a good time. There's amazing things you get to learn about like 3D printing salmon from pea protein, which is crazy. And that kind of stuff is happening in real time in front of us. And that's something I would like to make sure the vegans can continue to eat their pea protein salmon and anyone else who wants to eat an apple that isn't sprayed with a million tons of pesticide, you know, that kind of thing. Moving forward, Nelson, from your personal experience, what would you ask the industry if you could ask them anything, the IT and cybersecurity industry? And then the second part of that question is, what would you ask the the food industry and the agriculture industry? The first question I will make is, do you know, um, you are, as you said, you are at risk because some people, they are on the lower levels. If they don't understand, they are part of the change because everything becomes like a domino effect. Um, So it's very important to the people that know where they are and what they are, even if they think, okay, I'm doing this low salary and this guy is doing this, or my job is not important because I just, I don't know, I'm doing the cleaning. If they forget that the whole company of the, the whole chain gets affected. And if you mm-hmm. get affected, you mess with continuity and that's very bad for the business because if the people, as you said, the people on the field that day, they didn't work because I don't know, there was rain or there there was a fire or something bad. They don't go to work, they go to home. The salespeople don't have anything to sell. The, the IT don't have users to, to help. So it's, it's like the domino effect and some people, uh, they don't see it. They don't think they are important in, in, in they are. The question will be like that. I mean, do you know how important you are? because you are, even if you are not IT, even if you are on the lower level, if everyone knows how valuable they are, then the chips move on the same direction and everything goes smoothly. That's right. It drives collaboration. And that's what we really need more of. I don't know why it's not like that as well as it should be. You're right though. Everybody's important. It's 100% a team environment and these silos and this uh, lack of communication between different places is just ridiculous. It doesn't keep anybody safe. It doesn't stop the hacks. But if everybody's starts to work towards the same type of goals of, you know, employee safety, production uptime, safe, healthy food. And that marching mantra is it binds us as people because we can't, we have to eat. We can't not eat. It's something we have to do as humans, you know, and, (laughs) and also I should extend to the food industry. also just cover like animals, like feed for animals. Would you like your cat and dog to continue eating as well? I mean, like that's kind of like how I think too. I would like my cat to continue eating. I think the thing that's hard to Nelson, sometimes I know that sometimes our roles feel very isolating 
because there's not a lot of us. So there's there's not a lot of people to talk to about this, uh, the specific challenges that we have in the industry. Will you share how you've overcome that and how you are finding community within the IT and cybersecurity fields within food and agriculture? Yes, I found like joining a community really helps because you just not learn from them. I mean, LinkedIn is a great place, uh, Slack channels or Discord. They have these communities with people that they do the same as you. They have the similar problems you have. They Maybe they had the same experience you had, good or bad. So with these people, you are able to share. And sometimes you have a problem. You have no idea how to approach. And, and you ask, and these are all professionals uh, of your industry. And someone says, okay, I, I done this. Look, look for the solution or try this. And that gives you perspective. And not for only that, because you share common goals or, or common um, common things. Um, you become uh, friends with them and you start hanging out. Um, okay, let's let's hang out. I don't know. Let's go lunch. Food, food is everywhere, right? Food yeah, is like food is everywhere. Yeah. Food is life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you create a bond in there and, and okay, let's go. I don't know. If you like video games, okay, let's get together to play video games or, or do this. And that helps you to get out of the stress and create bonds and you form a community. Uh, for me, that's what really helped. I mean, ha- uh, having discussion with other people that understand the issues I have, the problems I have. And in the past, it was difficult because uh, you were a little isolated to the people around you. Right now, with the, all these communities, you can find a people people in Africa that, I don't know, if you start chatting with them and you find like you have more in common than you think. And it's a different culture and you are interested and you find like they love tacos or they never try a taco in the past. And, oh, I never tried this. And, and you start bonding with that. And it's, it's great. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's because food binds us together as, you know, a species, if you will. I, you can go anywhere and talk about tacos. Most people know what they are. So, and, uh, and they're great and we all love them. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say they don't like tacos. So that That's so true. It is the first thing you talk about. Either you're sharing a meal and you're getting to know someone or a coffee or something to that effect. Getting to know someone, it's it's pacified with food to make it easier for states or food. You know, um, everything has something to do with food. I think we forget sometimes that we can use that to our advantage because we work in food. You know, <laughs> we're there with it. We have interesting <laughs> stories to tell about it. I think that, that that's great. I, I love I love that example. Like ugh, you're so you're making me just so happy, Nelson, because I, I really do feel connected to this industry and to the people working it because of just those little things. It's great. As we're getting close to wrapping up here, I want to hear about your your favorite day you had working in the company that you're working at right now as an agricultural company, as a director of IT. You don't have to be specific. I just want to hear because I think everybody's got like their win moment and I want to hear what yours was. Well, I think the pandemic show was a lot. Fortunately for me, I was prepared to have everything to work remotely and most important, uh, before this uh, came like the big thing, I was installing this uh, conference room, these Zoom rooms, and I had everything set up for at least for the uh, biggest uh, offices in the company, five, and suddenly, because some people, they they didn't use it in the past or they didn't want to use Zoom. They prefer the regular phone call or the the visit because salespeople or the managers, they are old school and they like to go in person and visit and the phone call. And I had this project and they didn't have like, um, they didn't pay much attention to that. And we did investment and I created this beautiful one touch bottom Zoom rooms to make it every, everything very easy. And they, did, they didn't see the benefit. But the pandemic came and suddenly this Zoom project I got was very, very popular. Uh, the owners of the company actually congratulated me like perfect wow. timing. And I said, oh, okay, this you 
know what? This is not AI, but it, it helps to see the tendencies uh, because I saw this was becoming a big thing and I wanted to participate. And for me, that was the big moment because I was able to make everyone to work remotely. I was able to make everyone stay together, communicate. So the business school follow uh, working. I think that that is something that's really unique and special about IT and cybersecurity, more so in food, I think, on that side of the house than other places. But I will say in general, I think we have this, the ability to be adaptive. We're adapters. We can take our high aptitudes for things and quickly have to change on a dime to be able to complete a task or have enough foresight to be able to do something ahead of time like you did. This probably should be done. We're probably going to need this someday. And lo and behold, we did, unfortunately, right? We don't. We didn't want. We didn't want the pandemic. Nobody did. Yeah, it was but, um, unfortunate. But <laughs> yeah, but the fact that you thought of that and that's such a that is such a victory. I love that. Thanks for sharing it. Okay, so we're gonna close up. But before we go, I was wondering if you had any uh, key messages or insights you'd like to give to the audience. I do have a mix of people that listen, and it's fabulous. The mic is yours, Nelson. Uh, thank you very much again. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, I thank you because you are giving us a voice, uh, a voice for, for the IT people. Um, and the people that work in the food uh, safety industry on the old food uh, industry. And this is not very common. So I wish you good luck with this project. I'm sure you will grow up. You will have a lot of followers. Your channel will, will go crazy. About. <laughs> I wish you very, very Thank good you. luck. Um, and I would like to share to the people like, uh, yes, I mean, this is changing time. And we will see AI even under the table. But that's the tendency. Gardner says in 2030, everything software, all software you use will have some AI component because that's the tendency. Mm -hmm. And some people, they still don't embrace it because they are afraid, because they, they don't they don't see the future clear. And it's not their fault. It's maybe some is some fault because of the marketing issue, because right now we are not prepared. We are not ready there. And every product you have, it says to have some AI. If it doesn't say AI, um, you think it's not a good product. Or if this article doesn't mention AI at least once, it's not a good article. And I know we are not ready there. Uh, that's that's marketing. Do you remember when uh, artisan the, the word artisan became a big thing and everything was artisan? Yeah, artisan bread, artisan grain, yeah. um, or what was the other one? Ancient grains was a big one exactly. for a minute too. If it didn't have artisan, it, it didn't sell. I was uh, driving and I saw uh, this board that says artisan car wash, and I pulled over and, and I wanted to know more. And I went there. At the end, it was a guy with a bucket, but it was a car wash handmade, so it was artisan. And so I yes, mean, okay, you, you, you earn it. I mean, that's a good marketing gimmick. Wow. Because it made you think it was a real car wash, uh, all automated. You know, it was a guy with the bucket. Uh. <laughs> marketing is amazing. I, uh, I give them a lot of credit too. I'm obviously on both sides of that spectrum of good and bad, but wow. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, coming back. Sorry, I, I drift a little. Uh, coming back, yes, uh, we need to embrace AI because uh, it's gonna, it's, it came to stay here. It has a lot of benefits if used them properly. There are some projects that they are not good for AI right now because uh, training a LLM is expensive. It requires a lot of power, a lot of energy, a lot of water. So there are some projects that they are still not ready for AI. But if you can embrace it, learn it, uh, it will make uh, your business uh, better. 
So you can start little by little. Don't be afraid. It won't take your job. Uh, it, it's not the new Skynet. So it's safe. So again, embrace it because it came to stay and you, we all need to learn it. We, we all need to use the same, uh, the same space as AI. We need to learn how to live with it. Yeah. And I also think we need to not look at it as a silver bullet either. The be all end all fix everything. Awesome. It is not that it is still yeah. man-made, yes. human-made. It is still have to be programmed by humans. And what did we talk about at the beginning of this? That humans are risks <laughs> and that we are, we are innately flawed and we need to be careful. So this is why not only are we adapting AI for the future for farms, because like I said, it's going to, it is happening. It's happening actually faster than we expected, but it's happening. We really need to put the right training, as you said, Nelson, and the right type of technology around it to secure it. Otherwise, here's attack vector. Hi, hacker. Come on in. We have a doormat that says welcome. <laughs> I think we need to be really careful about that. And also, we need to make sure that, you know, IT is trained in it as well as cybersecurity because we can't protect something if we don't understand. That happens quite often where I have no idea what this is and you have to learn it. And then you'll be able to protect it in a different capacity that factors in the risk considerations around it to mitigate properly rather than just, oh, yeah, okay, it's a server. I need to obviously put a firewall in here and I don't know something else. You actually can learn how to do it properly if you know what it is. Um, <laughs> and especially in the food industry, because there's so many different types of equipment. I mean, Nelson, I know you've seen like all kinds of different types of tractors and different harvesters. and But the fact that those are eventually going to be completely autonomous is incredible to me, that there'll be machines that are specifically created with AI intelligence to harvest lettuce and only lettuce. That's that's amazing. Could you imagine telling that to our like great grandparents? They look at us like we were insane. And now here <laughs> we are with this tech basically right here. But we have to make sure that it's safe. It's the same with everybody wants the electric car, right? Going back to conversation about cars. But, you know, and they've all said, oh, no, this isn't hackable. This isn't hackable. Stop saying that because it's like challenge accepted to anybody who wants exactly. to try. Exactly. And we don't want people to sit on the sides of the roads in various <laughs> rural areas trying to hack into tractors because they're bored or they want to say they can do it. Or maybe they are trying to cause a problem. It's not. I just don't understand. I will never understand why people do things like that. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks so much again, Nelson, for your time. I, uh, I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a lovely evening. And I'm sure there will be uh, your guest of honor, Coca-Cola, will be on the table. Um, <laughs> don't forget that because you need your family member. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. I hope you found inspiration in our discussion about the transformative power of AI in agriculture and the personal connections that make technology meaningful. Again, a big thank you to our guest, Nelson. Remember, whether bites in the computer or bites on your plate, it's all about bringing people together. I'm your host, Kristen Emmeranville, and it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Stay safe, stay curious, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. 